0: What we do in the series is we look at the number of people that met Jesus personally in the Gospels. And so far, actually, I think I have a slide. Yeah. So far, we looked at the woman at the well, and each meeting has a a theme, right? So we looked at the woman at the well meeting Jesus, and the, the theme was thirst, the thirst of her soul and how she was dealing with it uh, unfortunately with sinful things and then when when she met Jesus Jesus exposed her towards her own sin and then secondly we looked at uh, Nicodemus and there the theme was the new birth and then Pontius Pilate when Jesus meets Pilate uh, during his uh, trial so-called trial and the theme was truth and then the two thieves on the cross and then the theme was suffering and last week we looked at the guy who was an invalid for 38 years and the theme was healing. And healing was in inverted commas because the theme was actually holiness. Jesus healed him for holiness, for, for him to be whole with his soul and body as well. Now, um, and today we're going to look at, I said, maybe I should say this as well. So we started off saying that the series will be six weeks, so six sermons, but Lee is coming back on Saturday next week, so I said, okay, you shouldn't do and you shouldn't start writing a sermon on Saturday, uh, and I'm going to do one more sermon next week on Sunday to finish off the series, so it's going to be seven, not six. So what's going on tonight? Tonight we're going to look at a text in Luke 9. Luke 9, 56-62, and here, actually, let me start by reading it, and then we'll see what it is about. So just listen. They went on to another village. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, the foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And he said to another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, permit me first to go and bury my father. But he, he, but he said to him, Allow the dead to bury their own dead, but as far as you go and proclaim, but as far as you go and proclaim everywhere the kingdom of God. Another also said, I will follow you, Lord, but first permit me to say goodbye to those at home. But Jesus said to him, no one, after putting his hand on the cloud and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. It's not, it's not the most comfortable text, because Jesus is, or depends on who you are, and you read this text, it might feel harsh, the way Jesus talks to people. Usually, people don't really talk like that today, right? You don't. Say to somebody, when they want to go and bury their dad, you don't tell them, well, you know, let the dad bury their dad. It's not not an easy text, let's put it like that. So, um, what I want us to do tonight is look at this and how we can learn from this meeting. Jesus is meeting, I, I put it like this, Jesus is meeting three anonymous followers. So, and the theme... The actual theme of what I'm going to talk about is the you in the, in the line or phrase, I will follow you. We're going to talk about you. Right? You'll see what that is. So, good. three anonymous followers uh, or would-be followers meet Jesus. And to each one, he says something very hard and something very sweet or good or tender, if you want so in verse 57, to the man who says, I will follow you wherever you go. He says, the foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests. But the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. In verse 59, he takes the initiative and calls the guy, right? This is not a guy coming to him, but this is Jesus calling somebody. And the man responds, Lord, permit me first to, do, to go and bury my father. To which Jesus says, allow the dead to bury their own dead right and then in 61 the third guy um, the third candidate for follow for discipleship let's put it like that i will follow you lord but first permit me to say goodbye to my family or to my home to this jesus says no one after putting his hand and looking back will uh, be fit for the kingdom of god and what's going on here is more than just one thing but to feel the tension, or to feel what is going on, I want, us to, I want to read you this verse. So this is just a few verses before, and Jesus says to the apostles, or to the people who were following him, he says, when the days were approaching for his ascension, he was determined, or he set his face, he, he was determined to go to Jerusalem. Now we know what Jesus meant by saying, follow me, right? And then we know what Jerusalem means, because in Luke 18, he says, see, we are going up to Jerusalem and everything that is written about the Son of Man by the prophets will be accomplished. For he will be delivered over to the Gentiles and will be mocked and shamefully treated and spit upon. And after flogging him, they will kill him and on the third day he will rise. So, there is almost, um, it's almost a sinister, maybe sinister is not the right word, but maybe, um, yeah, a sinister uh, feel or ring to the, to the call when Jesus says, um, follow me, or when he says, he set was faced to go to Jerusalem. Um, and just to make the implications of going to Jerusalem even more clear... ...we have this in Luke 9, the verse right after. He's, uh, we're told, Jesus sent messengers ahead of him... ...who went and entered the village, a, vid- a village of the Samaritans... ...to make preparations for him. But the people did not receive him because he was going to Jerusalem. Right? So the signal and the word for each one of us is... If you join Jesus, we're not, you're not gonna, and we're not gonna be famous, we're not gonna be, well, we can be famous for following Jesus, of course, but we're not gonna be, um, let's put it popular, maybe that's the right word. We're not gonna be popular and we're not gonna be, um, uh, or we're gonna be rejected, let's put it like that. So now we're ready to see... So, on the one hand, we see Jesus telling people what it means to go to Jerusalem. It means that he will die. On the other hand, when he says, follow me, that's what he says. Follow me to Jerusalem. And on the other hand, we see that if you follow Jesus, you are going to be rejected, as he was rejected in Samaria. Good. Now, that was introduction. Now we're ready to see what's going on in our text. Now, in these short meetings... Uh, We hear the word follow or the phrase follow me three times, right? In verse 57, we see uh, a guy saying, I will follow you. In in 59, Jesus says to another guy, follow me. And then in in 61, another guy says, I will follow you, but... Now, the whole point of this is to show us that being a disciple of Jesus is not... Mainly or only learning about Jesus, right we usually we come to church on a Sunday and we sit together and it 's all nice and comfortable and sermon comes and we learn about him and we learn about each other and blah blah blah. but being a disciple of Jesus is not just learning about Jesus but it 's about following him. I even go as far as saying that Jesus is not an intellectual exercise. He's not... It doesn't have to do with our intellect, right? It has to do with the heart. More on that later. I don't want to jump into the problem right away. Jesus says at one point... No, I don't have a slide with it. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Right? You cannot, you cannot separate the idea of following Jesus and the cross in Jerusalem, right? That's where we follow Jesus, to the cross. And then when he was resurrected, we take up that cross and go out to the world, right? Now, when Jesus says, follow me, we, we need to remember the context that we are in, Right? Having just been rejected from Samaria, right? He couldn't find a place where to sit, where to sleep. And going to Jerusalem, he's saying two things. He's saying, on the one hand, follow me. He's talking about himself. And then he says, follow me. It's a verb, right? He's talking first about himself. And then he's talking about what to do. Or, in other words, let me put it, put it. Put it like this. There is me and there is a mission. Or there is a person and there is a path. There is a sweetness or, yeah, sweetness and there is suffering. There is Jesus, there is me, and then there is Jerusalem, the cross, right? And basically, this is the Christian life. I would get into some comments, but I don't want to... I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. The Christian life, the basics of Christian... The basis... Maybe I should say something. The basics of the Christian life is at least come to the fellowship every Sunday. right? I mean... And read the Word, of course. How can you be a Christian if you are not in the fellowship and you don't read the Bible, right? You have to wonder. When Jesus said at the end of his life, um, he said, go and make disciples of all nations. What he did, he included himself in that mission. Because he said, first he said, all authority in heaven and on earth is given to me, right? On the one hand. And on the other hand, he said, I will be with you at the, till the end of the age, right? So when, when you go on the street and talk to people, you have to be very careful with it. But if you are true to who Jesus is and true to the message of the gospel, Jesus is with you, right? <coughs> there is the follow me, and then there's the follow me, Right? Every time we open our mouth, mouth about uh, our mouth and hearts, actually, about Jesus, what we do is we function according to these two things: go, that's the sending, right, the missions, go, and the "I will be with you" part. That's the "Follow Me" phrase. Now. Um, I said at the beginning that the way Jesus responds to these three people is kind of harsh. What is he doing? Why is he talking like this? Um, Because again, to, to some people today, if you tell them this, it will sound not loving. Right? But still, this is Jesus, so we have to assume that he was loving in what he was saying, in a way. Right? What is he doing? Now, he was doing two things, Let me. He was doing two things. He was teaching people, and he was testing people. How do you test and how do you teach at the same time? Well, he was teaching that the Calvary Road, the road to Golgotha, the road to the cross, through Jerusalem, will be a very hard road, and will require sacrifice of home and family, right? That's what he says, right? No place to lay your head and let the dead bury their dead, right? One has to do with the home and one has to do with the family, right? So on the one hand, following Jesus means sacrifice of home and family in ways. if You, you just have to think of missionaries, right? If you're a missionary, if, you, you, if the Holy Spirit reveals to you, you need to go to... I don't know, whenever I think of a bad place. I'm not going to put it like that, it doesn't sound good. A bad place in this world would be probably Syria, let's put it like that, right? And you're going to be a missionary in Syria, right? And then you, if you openly speak about Jesus and that you're a Christian, you want to evangelize people. You're not going to be welcomed and you're not going to be loved and you're not going to be... Appreciate it, right? But what you do when you go there is you sacrifice family and home, right? We'll get into details more about that. So on the one hand, he's teaching us and he was teaching them that following him means sacrifice of family and home. On the other hand, he was testing. He was testing people and he was, he's testing us to see if he is truly the biggest treasure of our life. We don't have to be jumping up and down and shouting and clapping that we have Jesus as our Lord. But at least in our hearts we should every day. If he is not the one you love more than you love your kid or your wife or the security of your home then something's wrong. And then what those guys say, right? when Jesus says, follow me, what the guys say is, I will follow you. And then Jesus says, well, okay, really? Let me tell you what it costs. What he does is he's testing how much we treasure the you in I will follow you. Right? It's very easy to follow, right? You just have to you look at a point and you say or somebody who's going somewhere because basically that's what it means to follow, right? If you think about it. It's a verb that means that you see something or somebody and then you follow that somebody, right? So it's very easy to follow. You don't have to be the, the most intellectually wise person in the world. But what you have to be in the case of Jesus is In love with Him. You have to understand what it means to follow Him. And you have to have Him as the biggest treasure. Because otherwise, the sacrifices that it implies are hard. Or almost impossible if you don't love Him. So there's two things going on. on. On the one hand, I said that He's teaching and that He is testing right he's teaching us that he will be with us on the one hand right and then two he's testing us to see if he is really our treasure right so think about it who is jesus jesus is let me i have a list jesus is the king of kings and lord of lords he's the creator of the universe the one who upholds all things by the word of his power The one who is from everlasting to everlasting, born of a virgin as the Holy One of God. He's perfect in life. He's triumphant over sin and death and hell and all the demons. And in him are hid all the treasures and wisdom and knowledge. This is who Jesus is. And he says, I will be with you. On the one hand. When he says, follow me, he's not saying, go to Jerusalem. He says, I'm going, come with me. And he's not saying, come with me because I need help. But he's saying, come with me because if you're with me, you will be safe. And second, he's saying, he's not saying, sorry, he's um, testing. Uh, What he's doing is he's trying to see if he's our joy, our security, our hope our friend in time of loneliness, our home, our mother and father, our power to look straight ahead even in times of desperation. Question. Have you ever tested yourself like this? Is he... I mean, you know yourself better than almost everybody, anybody in this world, right? You need to know what your possible biggest idol is, right? I'm, so, I'm saying something bad now, not something good. You, possi- you probably know what your biggest idol is, what replaces Jesus in your heart, or what's not necessarily replacing, but what is competing with Jesus for the love in your heart, right? But before that, let me say two more things. Now, I said, again, I said at the beginning that what Jesus is saying sounds harsh and tough and rough, especially to very modern ears. right? We should be very careful not to make these sayings more difficult than they are or more harsh. What I mean by that? So, first of all, he's not saying there will never be um, a good time or there will never be a time when you have a bed and a pillow and a roof, right? That's not what Jesus is saying, right? Because he just said foxes have, have holes and whatever, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head, right? So he's not saying you'll never have a house. And then secondly he's not saying it will always be wrong to be at your parents' funeral, right? Because he says let the dead bury their dead. Right? The way we have to understand this, I think, is the way we understand what he says to uh, the rich young ruler. Do you remember the rich young ruler uh, he meets Jesus and um, he says I want to I want to follow you and everything and Jesus says well yeah you can follow me but what it will cost you is everything you have. Right? That's the verse. Sell what you're sell what you possess and give to the poor and you will have a treasure in heaven and and then come and follow me. Right? Now the point is the point I'm trying to make with this is Jesus is not uh, Jesus is not making up rules. Saying you need to sell everything, you need to, you're never gonna sleep, you're always gonna be tired, you're always gonna be beaten up, and right, this is that's not the point, that's not the point Jesus is making. The point he's making is he knows every one of us's idol in the heart. Jesus knows perfectly what is competing in my heart with my affection for him. Maybe it's my daughter, maybe it's my wife, maybe it's my. Job, maybe it's my friends, maybe whatever, maybe it's food, maybe I don't know, right? Maybe it's fear, of the future. Who knows? Well, we should know, hopefully. He looks. If you've been here through the series, you remember he met the woman at the well. He knew who she was. He met the. Um, the man at the pool was invalid for 38 years he knew what the problem with his heart was he knew the thief on the cross in his last moment of his life he knew who he was and what he needed right and he does the same with us actually when we meet him he can read who we are so now let's look at all three of these guys and then we'll will be done. Attachment to your home. Probably because we live in a time when we live, and we were actually talking about a home just before <laughs> the house and everything, we, before the service, right? So, having a home during this time in history is something that is more than a home. Our home, our actual home and everything that is included in it is more than just a simple home. We don't just go home in the evening, sleep, wake up and leave the home, right? It's more than that. It's comfort. It's, it's the place where we feel ourselves. It's where we interact with those whom we love. It's, it's more than just a simple roof over our head, right? It's more than just a hole for a fox, Jesus says in verse 58. The Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Now, if this is an invitation to you, and this is what you have to sacrifice, will you follow him? It's not necessarily a direct question, it's more a question that you should ponder in your heart. If I leave, let me me read a list to you. If I have to give up furniture, uh, air conditioning, the atmosphere in my house, roach-free, mouse-free, ant-free, snake-free, my equipped kitchen, my TV, my computer, my kids' toys, the blanket on my bed, the carpets on the floor, the constantly running water, the toilet. If these are all gone, will you follow me? In verse 60, Jesus raises the question about family. He says, Let the dead bury their own dead, but as for you, go and proclaim everywhere the kingdom of God. This is, again, this is very tough. I was not present. My dad died almost six years ago. I was not at the funeral. Whom do you cherish more? Right? This, is not, this is not Jesus saying you don't have to love your dad or your mother or your parents or you don't have to be present when they die or you don't have to be present when they are being buried, right? This is not about that. Don't forget that the, one of the biggest commands in the Bible is love your mother and father, right? So Jesus is not contradicting himself, right? But what he is doing, though, he's trying to test what is the biggest treasure in my heart. Probably the best question for us would be, what do you consider a treasure? Are we even... people that will say that we can... Do we even believe in treasures? Or we just live our life like we'll see what tomorrow comes, right? I'll see what tomorrow brings and then I'll see what I can treasure. Think about you're on the mission field in, I don't know, Somalia, right? And you have a very small church and you're you live under the pressure of being attacked by I don't know, radical groups and your family is always threatened and all that. If you're with the family there, And then you... And, and that small church and those... That small group of people who are very young to the faith... Depend on who you are and depend on you being there. Their constant... Whatever. Guiding person. And you... You, you hear or you're told that your dad died. What do you do? Or rather the question should be, who is first in your life? Is it Christ or your family? The point is, Jesus is absolute, and any kind of allegiance or any kind of relationships are at least secondary. Hopefully. It's tough. It's very tough. How can I say that she is second to anything in my life? It's tough. I was saying before when we were talking that there's many things in this world and in the life that we live today that don't have a specific, clear answer in the Bible. But the point is, do you want, more? Do you want Christ more or do we want Christ more than everything or anything? Probably this is one of the saddest things ever. The danger of an uncertain following. I, I wonder if you... From the name of the, or the title of it... I wonder if you get what I'm trying to say. Jesus says in verse 62... No one, no one after putting his hand to the plow and looking back... Is fit for the kingdom of God. Now... Does everybody know what a plow is? Do we know what a plow is? plow is that thing that you, at least in those days, well, in these days as well, somewhere else in the world, you get the the beasts, right? Usually it's the the cows or the oxen or the the horses, and then you put the the straps on, and then there's this metal thing that you put into the dirt, and then you're digging, basically. That's what you're doing, right? That's the plow. So what Jesus is saying, if you, if you put your hands on the plow, and you start plowing, and you look back, you, you, you go where the beasts go, you're not plowing where you want to plow, right? And more certain than not, or more probably than not, you, you're, gonna, you're not going to plow straight, right? Usually people plow in a straight line. Again, it's an agricultural metaphor that Jesus uses for when you start something, you dedicate your life to something. But you, as you go along, you keep on looking back. And then at one point, you fall. I keep on teaching Alma not to look back when she's on the bike. You know, she's, she's biking and then she's looking back. She's biking looking back and bam, she hits something. That's, that's the case with the plow, right? So uncertain following, or the danger of uncertain following, is, how can you be a testimony for Christ, who was probably the most radical person in the world ever, at the same time being the most perfect person in the world ever while being God and who was resurrected so all these are difficult things to explain how can you be a testimony for him if you are not 100% in love with him and wanting to follow him if there's small things in my life that I keep on yeah I I will always look there but for for a second I would like to look back right How can you be a testimony for Jesus like that? Looking back means longing back, right? I want something, I like something there. Even though I say I'm changed and I want to be changed maybe, there's something I still like there. In the back of my life. What it simply means, is this is why it's so sad. I said it's a sad thing. I'm not really certain, I'm not really sure if I want to follow Jesus. I'm 90% or 80% sure I want to follow him. But when it comes to sacrificing things about family and house and home and comfort and safety and whatever, the security of tomorrow and everything, maybe I'm, maybe I'm not 100%. Another way of expressing this is I have a divided heart. Right? Maybe it's not in half. It's not 50-50. But there's a small, small, small sliver, you know, like when you cut a cake, you know. There's a small sliver that is not, doesn't belong to Jesus. And finally, conclusion of the I want to simply close by saying Jesus is worth following. He's worth following even through Jerusalem and through the cross. And yes, Jesus will die in Jerusalem. And yes, Jesus did die on the cross. But as we now know, that's not bad news. The fact that Jesus died is not bad news. We want him to die, right? As weird as that sounds. We're not like Peter saying, oh Lord, you have to... Over my dead body. <laughs> no, it was over Jesus' dead body. Right? He didn't say, follow me to Jerusalem because he needed help, as I said before. But because if, you, if we are with him, we are saved, right? And not only we'll be, we will be saved, but we will be given a mission. And according to verse 60 in our text... That mission is more precious than burying our own father. No? Lord, I will follow you, but permit me to go and bury my father. Let the dead bury their dead. The gospel is more precious. Anybody can bury a dead person, not everybody can teach the world that it's simple and there is a savior, right? The mission is go and proclaim everywhere the kingdom of God in Christ Jesus. So, last phrase. Jesus says, follow me. And follow me means there's a path. Follow me means there's a person. The you in I will follow you, that's what we talked about tonight. That's who we are following. There's the suffering and there's the sweetness. There's Jerusalem and then there's... Jesus. So, simply put, let's follow him. Okay. Now, next week, um, I said at the beginning, the series was meant for six sermons. Lee's coming back on Saturday. He's gonna. He's probably not gonna have time to write a sermon until Sunday. So, I'm gonna have one more. It's going, to be, it's going to be special, probably shocking. It's going to be, let me put it like, I, I think I, I never said the theme for, for next week. But next week we're going to talk about Jesus meeting his father and the devil. So, the summer series will be seven sermons, not six. Hopefully you will be here. Okay, that's that. Let me let me pray and then we see how we end the service after.